Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the November 25th edition of the Real Estate Radio Show podcast. We're going to be joined shortly by Dylan Kramer. And of course, we are on our Turkey Day uh, weekend recovery period. We'll all be eating turkey sandwiches now, probably for the next uh, three or four days anyway. But I hope everybody had a great Great Thanksgiving with friends, family, enjoyed yourself. And uh, Monday, it's back to work, but it's not Monday yet. So let's have some fun on the Real Estate Radio podcast. So um, real quick, if you're watching on TikTok, you could watch us live as well on uh, Facebook at launch my listing at launch my listing. You could watch us live on YouTube at Larry Shackman. And also if you're on LinkedIn, you can watch us at Larry Shackman as well. So, uh, we're glad you're all with us and we got a lot to talk about. Uh, Black Friday just came and went and we're headed straight into cyber monday so we got a little bit to talk about there because all this ties into the real estate market and how this all transpires and you know is the real estate market getting hot again is it heating up are consumers spending exactly what's going on so uh with all of that said before we move on i just want to thank our sponsors and first and foremost, I want to thank uh, Trusted Agent USA. So TrustedAgentUSA.com. You can go to that website and you can click on any of the little action buttons there. So if you click on sell my home, you're just going to enter a little bit of information and our concierge service will get in touch with you. We're going to show you how to sell your home for as low as one and a half percent commission. And if you're buying a home with us, you're going to get up to half a percent back on the uh, purchase price of the home that you're buying. So if you're buying a $400,000 home, you're going to get $2,000 back to use towards your closing costs and prepaids when you do your loan with Dylan Kramer at Benchmark Mortgage. So want to thank... Um, Certainly want to thank Trusted Agent USA. I also, uh, I want to thank our other partners as well. So number one, Dylan Kramer, our mortgage partner at Benchmark Mortgage. Dylan Kramer is an awesome guy. He is the problem solver, the fixer, the mortgage guru. He is going to help you get over the finish line. And believe me, real estate transactions are not what they were back in the day. So they're a lot more complicated and Dylan's gonna help you get over that finish line. Also, I want to thank our other sponsor today, which is At Home Title Services. I am also a title agent. If you wanna save 50% on your title insurance policy, just give me a call at 630-921-0611. Even if you're buying a $200,000 condo, the card rate on that for a title insurance policy is about $2,100. You're going to save about a, a little over $1,000 on that alone when you work with us. So I uh, want to thank everybody for uh, helping us out today. Trusted Agent, TrustedAgentUSA.com. Uh, at home title services and benchmark mortgage. And now we are going to bring on our buddy, our friend, our partner, our partner in real estate, Dylan Kramer. What's going on, Mr. Man? How are you? How you doing, buddy? I'm fantastic today. I'm just, you know, rolling along, checking emails and podcasting and, you know, handling a few uh, leftovers. I'm going to make turkey stock today so i got uh i got I, I got a carcass in my fridge in the garage which is a first world problem right nice listen uh i'll be over about 11 30. good glad to hear it okay there'll be plenty. um how was your thanksgiving number one my thanksgiving was fantastic you know what we uh we had probably a dozen or so people over at the house and uh good time was had by all how about you 
Awesome. Yeah, no, we went over to my stepdaughter's house right around the corner from us. And uh, we had an awesome time. I mean, you know, hanging out with the grandkids and uh, getting food thrown at me. What else? What's Thanksgiving about, if not that? Well, you're exactly right. Yeah. So uh, we're glad to have you here. We got a lot to talk about. Let's do it. Um, you know, I'm curious about something. So we just had I, I'm curious and confused. So I'm going to need you and our special guest today, John Hoffman. Why Rent Real Estate, one of the preeminent REO brokers in Illinois. He's going to be on here today, and we're going to have story time with John Hoffman. He's going to tell us right. some of his uh, horror stories, maybe. Uh, you know, are they horror stories or are they know. somebody got a deal stories? I always wonder. Uh, about these you know, the REO business is is a weird business. It's like herding cats. It's not like retail real estate. Right. So it's a whole other business. I'm sure John has some fun stuff to talk about. I, I did. As you know, I did that for a long time. Right. And uh, had a huge. How we met party. originally, frankly, for the people who are listening out there and just wondering kind of how we got together. Um I mean, it was that time in the business and, and yeah. we got introduced by a mutual friend. Yeah. 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 So the REO business, it, it's it's a whole different deal. You know, so John will come on and have some fun stories for us when it comes to that. And um, so he'll be on probably in about another five minutes, 10 minutes or so. So um, Black Friday just passed, right? Yep. I've got a question for you. Shoot. Where, when do you think Americans spend more money? Do we spend more money on Black Friday or do we spend more money on Cyber Monday? Which I, one? I think it's Cyber Monday, isn't it? Because everybody's, you know, and, and the, if I'm not mistaken, the origin of that, sorry if I'm stepping on your story, but no, not at all. Ahead of time. But the origin of that is remember when, uh, you know, we're older than the internet. Um, and so, you know, as the internet kind of came on the scene, Everybody had dial-up internet at home, but it was very quick in most industries, yours and mine included, to adopt high-speed internet, which is pretty standard now. Um, yeah. But people would basically wait till Monday uh, to do their shopping because they had fast internet at the office when they did not at home. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you're probably right about that. I'm not exactly sure of the origins, but that sounds right. And you're spot on when you say we spend more money on Cyber Monday than we do on Black Friday. And take a wild guess. What are the experts predicting we are going to spend here in America on Cyber Monday? Oh, I I don't know, $10 billion. Like I don't, I, I, have no, I have no frame of reference. Not a bad guess at all. You're uh, and in, in the whole scheme of things, you're pretty close. $13.7 billion yeah, is what we this are. Is why I'm the money guy, Larry. Yeah. is what we are expected to pay this, uh, what we are expected to spend this Monday, Cyber Monday is 13.7 billion dollars now we know some of that gets returned and you know there's that whole uh you know circle of uh fun that happens when you shop but we're we are going to spend 13.7 billion on uh cyber monday and we're probably going to spend over 10 billion on or have spent over 10 billion on black friday so Crazy stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, look, it's an astronomical amount of money and there's so many zeros. I can barely understand how to uh, process that, like that size of pile of money. Yeah, it's crazy. And where a lot of stuff is getting spent, as always, is on electronics, clothing, things like that. All great. Um you know, it's funny because I'm looking down here at my notes. What the experts are are saying is people are not spending less on gifts this year. And th so 
we're going to go over a few facts because this is where I'm kind of confused. And as soon as John hops on, we're going to bring him on too, because I want him to add to this whole thing. I'm cause I'm really curious about something. So, and we've talked about some of these things in the previous weeks, but I think it all ties together with what we just talked about in terms of the massive amounts of money that Americans spend Black Friday, Cyber Monday, uh, and every other holiday for that matter, right? Um, for sure. But I, I, I think this all ties together. So here's what I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm kind of confused about. Couple of stats. Home prices rose 3.4% last month. Okay. So on average, the median home sale price in the country, not just in Chicago Metro, which is what a lot of our uh, stats typically talk about, but in the whole country is about a little under 392. Okay. That's where right, the median, right. median home price is. Okay. So, um, and that means it went up about 3.4%. Now, the consumer inflation rate as of the end of October, year over year, is at 3.2%, which went down about half a percent over the previous month, year over year. It was 3.7, the end of October, 3.2%. Okay, all good news so far, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so there's more good news. The wholesale inflation rate also went down, and we talked about this a little last week, went down half a percent as well. So the consumer inflation rate and the wholesale inflation rate both went down about half a percent. The consumer inflation rate is at about 3.2% right now, which is about two point, excuse me, which is a boy about 1.2% higher than we'd like it to be. We'd like it to be around 2%. Am I sure. right? Exactly right. No, the, the Fed specifically to that point, because I think it's important for everybody listening. The Fed is targeting a 2% inflation rate, and they have all sorts of things that they are comfortable with in the economy when we are at 2%. So it's absolutely their target to have a moderated uh, level of inflation in the economy. And they, they want some inflation in the economy as part of their deal. Okay, so why 2%? I'm curious about that. You know... The, um, this is the, uh, the this is the economist in me, if you will, Larry. So there, there's two. Um, there, there. Uh, on one hand, two percent is the target because they feel like, look, I think a couple of things happen when there is inflation. Um, so uh, when you have a modest amount of inflation, and two percent's modest, a inflation expectations get set. So nobody expects or thinks uh, that prices are going to go up dramatically from here. So what happens is people and companies in, in make decisions about their personal finances, about their business finances, based on the idea that rates uh, in inflation will be tied around 2%. What's happened the last couple of years is you've seen People are like, oh, my God, inflation is X or eight or nine or whatever. So restaurants and, and, and are the, the easiest example, right? Because they got to go print new menus. Mm -hmm. So, you you know, where you could go get, you can go to Chili's or Applebee's or any other chain style restaurant and get yourself a $12 hamburger. Right. Well, you know, a 10% increase in that is a $13.20 hamburger. But now all of them are $16.95. Why is that? Because they're just pre-printing menus and expect it to be even higher later. And mm -hmm. so you can't touch a $15 hamburger in places like that. And, and other businesses make, that's a great example, but other businesses make that decision. So it gets embedded very quickly, the inflation expectations. So if they're effectively able to stay at 2%, then that sets the tone for the economy at 2%. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, they also are absolutely terrified of deflation. Deflation is horrible for the government and businesses 
although it is great for the consumers, right? But what happens mm-hmm. in a deflationary environment is if prices are coming down over time, why would I buy my next house? Why would I buy, why would I go to Costco or Sam's Club and buy 30 rolls of toilet paper? Because I'm not saving any money. I'll go to the jewel. Well, and it's after one, Thanksgiving. That would be, be one che- reason. Right, why exactly. And it'll be cheaper in a month by two cents, five cents. I don't need to stock up. Because it won't be more expensive later, right? Right. And so the but but deflation in in much the same way, inflation can get run in, deflation can get run in, and that can end up being a grind which the economy can't recover from. Because then eventually nobody wants to do anything because it'll just be cheaper later. Yeah. And so that's kind of the worst case outcome. Um. So on one hand, the Fed likes a set non-inflationary level of inflation, right? right? Modest level of inflation, if you will. Right. On the other hand, they're terrified of deflation. Those are the two reasons. Yeah. So I'm going to bring John Hoffman on real quick. Uh, there he is, the man of the hour. The hey, hour boys. Oh, hey, John, yeah. how are you? How are you guys? Good. What's Happy Thanksgiving. On? Hope you guys had yeah. a great one. You too, man. I got to tell you, Dylan, I was listening to what you were just saying there, and it's all, that's kind of what I've been following too lately is how that, they're trying to balance that, and to me, they're just running out of uh, rabbits to pull out of their hat to keep it well, going. You know, the interesting thing about the Fed, and I don't want to get into an hour on the Fed, right? Like, we can right. do that one <laughs> yeah, day later. There's an hour plus. Everyone's eyes day. are going to glaze over. But yeah, exactly. Right. But, they, but look, they only have one option, and that is raise or lower rates. That's the Correct. only tool the Fed has. And so it, it's hard in a big giant economy with hundreds of thousands of industries and businesses to be able to use one tool, you know, the old cliche, if you're a carpenter and you got a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you made a good point about perception. So once we hit that 2% level, so we're at 3.2% right now, inflation. John, that's what we were talking about. It went right down now. about half a percent from last month, year over year, from 3.7 to 3.2. Home prices went up about 3.4%. Wholesale uh, inflation went down about half a percent. So all good news. We're at about, like I said, 3.2% consumer inflation. And um, in addition to that, the job market has still kind of cooled off, which isn't a bad thing when it comes to inflation necessarily. So it's kind of cooled off. And part of the reason is employers employers are holding on to employees longer now. They're not skipping around so much because the job market isn't so hot. So they're holding on to employees longer, which also kind of helps the whole inflation thing when we have not such a hot job market. So all this stuff is pretty good news, right? Not bad. Oh yeah. Asking me or asking John? Anybody. I It's a conversation. We got to go. Yeah. It's a podcast guys. <laughs> We're talking. Hey, I, I think that the, uh, I think a lot of that though is, is there's the worst is still out. They, you know, there's so many layers of that inflation that they, they strip out certain things when they announce all the rates at this, but there's certain things that are stripped out of that. And then they'll add it later. And then the unemployment numbers, every time they post. They always get adjusted. Yeah, it's adjusted. They'll, they'll adjust the unemployment numbers from three months ago down. So it yeah. always looks better when you get it up front. And then it's in the small print. It's, oh, by the way, we adjusted down on last September. You know, it's just yeah. it's, there's a lot of, a lot of mis, you know, misread stuff out there that kind of makes me crazy, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think you have to kind of pay attention to everything, stay on top of it. But I think at the end of the day, we're getting some decent information. I mean, think about it, guys. A year ago, we were we were headed for 9% inflation, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, look, I, I, think, oh, yeah. I think, Larry, what you're really referencing is what we've talked about here a little bit this morning is this expectations issue, right? Like we were nervously yes. in the midst of high inflation last year. And I would think that nobody currently who's paying attention <laughs> and certainly none of the three of us would argue that we're still experiencing dramatic inflation right now. Yeah. 
No, exactly. It has leveled off and it's kind of, it's kind of stayed, stayed around that 3.2 to 3.8% consumer inflation rate. So it's still a little sticky because people want to see it come down, but they're not seeing a lot of food prices drop dramatically. So when they go to the grocery store, they're still, you know, now I will say this year, and we talked about this last uh, Wednesday is a turkey dinner last year cost about 64 and dollars and some odd cents and this year cost about 61 dollars and if i could have got away with 64 dollars to feed the people who came to my house (laughs) i would have been really happy right (laughs) right mcdonald's man there's always a bailout right (laughs) there it is there it is but now here's here's my confusion with this whole thing okay so after all those decent stats and all that right Right. Uh, not bad. I agree with you, John. Things get adjusted. You got to stay on top of it. And the stat that you get sometimes gets adjusted, sometimes better, sometimes worse. But right now we, we've got some good economic indicators. Here's the thing. So in November, as of November, consumer sentiment went up a little bit. Right. A little bit more than they thought it would. Consumers were a little bit more positive about things as of November. But here's the thing. It still went down for the fourth month in a row. So here's my question to you, too, because I'm confused and I can't take any more medication. Um, Here's the thing. Why are consumers feeling this way when I'm going to the gas pump and I'm buying a gallon of gas for three twenty nine? Okay. Uh all this other half hey, hey, new two here. Two nineties. Hey, Larry, two ninety-seven in Wisconsin, where I'm at now. Two ninety cents really? two hundred two dollars and ninety cents a gallon. Yeah, that's maybe worth the drive, Larry. Yeah. It's listen. <laughs> yeah. You may I'll see me shortly. Yeah. No, yeah, I, right. you know what, Larry? I think the answer to your question is in the details that we kind of talked about on Wednesday, but let's circle back to them here. Um, the first one is it's housing. Housing's not getting cheaper. How prices of houses are going up. Absolutely. Landlords still feel emboldened to raise rents. And so the, the housing, which makes up 42% of the inflation number, is still high and in inflating. And yeah. you, Brett, mentioned the second point this morning. Groceries. Although the turkey dinner is cheaper, you know, I, I mean, we've all seen the meme, right? Where they look and they're like, oh, yeah, 1987, there's a full shopping cart, $200. And now you know, 2023, there's like three things in a shopping cart, $200. I mean, it's crazy. And so in in, in spite of the fact that there's some moderation in some areas over the last 12 months, food still pricey um, and housing still pricey. You hit it. You nailed it on on the two things that I was going to follow up with. And I think, John, you'll probably agree with this. The thing that's keeping... The thing that's keeping inflation at that sticky point of 3.2 to 3.5 is housing and food costs. That's yeah, what's I'll, doing I'll tell it you right what, now. I'll tell you what, too, guys. One thing I'm, I've been watching that, you know, you can't deny it is that, like, 401k emergency withdrawals are up 300% over a year. Yeah. Okay, so people are going to get money places they normally wouldn't because it's just and the credit cards aren't getting paid now the credit cards are through the roof the car payments are going late you know that's all got to be factored into all this too even if inflation's down what's going on with that (laughs) That, yeah that's a direct that's a direct opposite of what those numbers would say you know yeah people are dipping in to their still dipping into their credit cards, still dipping into their 401ks. I was going to visit this morning, the John Hoffman uh, credit union uh, to withdraw a little bit of money, but uh, you know, we'll see. Um, But yeah, no, you're right, John. I mean, people are credit card, credit card balances are up through the roof. roof, Yeah. And like you said, people are starting to, and not even starting to, but continuing to dip into their 401ks, which is yeah. becoming a dinosaur. Let's face it. 401ks are becoming a dinosaur in the, uh, in the corporate world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but that's the stuff you got to look at, you know, when you're, Oh, it's down, it's down, it's down. But then why are people struggling big time worse than a oh, year why, ago? 
Yeah. John, we talked we talked about this a half a second ago. So Cyber Monday, consumers are going to spend three, $13.7 billion Cyber Monday. And they spent over $10 billion on Black Friday. And they're all out there and moaning about you know what inflation right. and everything else but at the same time we've we're spending 13.7 billion in one day this coming yeah. monday that's the prediction there's, all, so there's just, always people at the party that's for sure <laughs> you know exactly really. i mean this is my confusion with this whole thing it's like we have all these good we have all these good uh, uh numbers in front of us people are spending money like like they they you know have too much and but yet they're moaning about inflation and their consumer sentiment is up a little bit in january uh november but still down for the you know a little bit for the fourth month in a row it, it's all this confluence of you know confusing facts and uh you know how consumers kind of bring all that together and yeah think about it's, it. It, it it's there's a lot of tricky information out there you can't yeah. read anything by one and that's why you know i have to sit here and i have to factor in everything because you know me doing ario real estate where's it at what's coming down the pipe what am i seeing and i'm getting i'm slightly getting busier i'm getting more you know or, or is that just a blip or or is it going to continue to get busier or you know, will it revert back and there won't be any again? I, you know, yeah. you have to factor all this stuff in and you get a lot of, let's just say, uh, so, you know, cheerleading information out there that sometimes doesn't help you read what's going on. You yeah. Know? So, John, so tell me about that. What are what are what are you seeing? Like, I, I mean, you say there's a lot of different things going on. What's your what's your opinion on it? Because I'm fascinated by the, the REO market in large part because. We've been saying for a couple of years here, there are so many folks in the real estate market with so much equity. Why would you ever let your house go to foreclosure? Because you could just sell and get out. But it sounds like that's not entirely true, or at least not in your corner of the world. Well, it's the problem with, with you know, well, people have plenty of equity. I mean, I keep hearing it. People had plenty of equity in 08, even though a lot of them didn't. A lot of them did. But the problem is people, they don't. You know, it's, the people are always the last to know. You know, everything's got a lag to it, a huge lag. Right. So, you guys still with me there? I just lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, you know, that's the problem is that, you know, the by the time people go, oh, my gosh, maybe we should just sell and go. Usually that everyone's coming up with that plan. <laughs> so then you have 10,000 homes listed at once. And that's what right. happened back then is everybody listed up. Oh, we got a list, got a list. And then. You had a million shorts. I mean, I'm not saying like that's what we're going to do, but now, but that's what happens is there's a gigantic lag to that. Plus, if some if people sold, where are they going to go now? They don't. They can't even afford the rents, you know. So if anyone right. sells now, they're probably moving home, you know. Exactly. So, yeah, it's just it's just a messy, you know. You don't, you know. I, I it's really it's hard to explain just because there's so much information, good and bad, that's out there, and you got a lot of cheerleaders out there that are like, oh. You know, everything's, you know, I've heard, you know, it's going to, things are going to start skyrocketing again. It's like, how? It's like the, the you know, the income levels aren't up anywhere near what this real estate and stuff is. And basically right. everyone's going to be poor and can't buy anything if they keep going up. So, yeah, I don't know. There's there's a there's a, a fine line in there that's going to break this thing. And it's either, I don't even know what that is, really. But yeah. I, I feel, you know, I can see it coming. I can see how the... People, people aren't paying, people aren't paying this, that, and that's just all, you know, they start with the car, credit cards, they put, then they can't pay the car, they'll pay the car before the house because they need a car, and it, it, I'm starting to see that cascade the way it normally would, but it's a long lag for that to take, where you'll notice it in the system, you know what I mean? It's yeah. Just, people won't, you know, they don't all quit paying tonight. Right. You know, it's just, right. it takes a while, you know? It's a slow but yeah, I mean, flag. I'm seeing more REO. I'm, it, my REO inventory is growing, albeit slowly. But you know, that tells me that there's something going on. But again, it might be a blip, or it might be the start of something. We'll look out. You know, we don't know at this point. We don't know. Well, know? what I was going to say is, well, we talked on uh, 
on Wednesday, and we mentioned that REO inventory, short sale inventory, the distressed market in general is starting to tick up a little bit, little by That's little cool. by little. And a lot of that is the uh, properties that were in moratorium and Cook County just put another three month moratorium in because of all the flooding and all the FEMA disasters. They just put another moratorium in in Cook County for another three months. So you're not going to see yeah. any foreclosures coming down the system yeah. in Cook County for the next three months either. See, and that's my problem with the whole thing is they need to let this thing just be what it is. At some point, you got to let the system work itself out. You can't just keep going, oh, let's pause that. Let's pause that. Let's throw money at that. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of people just can't pay. They shouldn't own a house, period. Hate to say it, but it's true. But we got people in some of these that are in forbearance that have been in it for two years. And I mean, I've got some of these properties that they haven't paid in five, yeah. five years. Well, you know, it's like, and, and to them, they're almost entitled to the house. We're, we're in a judicial foreclosure state. Oh, God. In don't Texas, remind me. <laughs> if you go into foreclosure in Texas, you got like 10 minutes to get out of your house. <laughs> right. Uh, Funny, in, look, Illinois, look in Illinois, you could be in your house, like you said, for five years without three, making Three to four years right now. Yeah, absolutely. As it goes through absolutely. the system. Hey, so, Kane County Sheriff, in, in May, I think there was 42 units at the Kane County auction. And now it's almost 100. You know, so it's like, all right, more than doubled since May. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I so, did I mean, not know that. that's, that's, yeah, I mean, those are true stats. You can go look them up, you know, and it's that, that when you see the trends going north like that, there's something going on, you know? Yeah. John, what's the, what's the demand? from investors like for those foreclosures currently are they is it still kind of hot uh, i mean are there corporations in there are, are oh, yeah, yeah. investors getting a chance to come to bat like what's what's the market look like yeah the investors all the corporate ones are they'll buy anything and everything everything they get their hands on yeah. you know a lot of those though the problem with a lot of those ones that are at the auction is that the banks have to pay what you know the they have to buy the whole thing back they can't they don't discount a lot of those because they, for the insurance, for them to get the PMI insurance, right. they have to buy it back for what's owed. And, you know, most investors look at that and go, why would I pay that? You know, right. But that's that's basically what they have to do with those. Yeah. You know, well, they have to go through so that process, of get, then then sell it under market in the secondary market through a guy like you. Right. And then book the right. losses and go make the claim. Correct. Right. They do the claim and then it just becomes an REO at that point, you know, but yeah, it's, I mean, the investors are hot and heavy. I mean, the corporate ones, all of them, but, you know, I, one thing I see is a lot of the, those corporate investors, cause I've, I've got, you know, people that have kids, my, my son's in a, like a, one of those big houses that they, that corporations rent and they don't take care of these properties either. They just, they run oh, them really? to these guys. Oh yeah. They just run them to the guy, whoever's renting them. And they, if they leave it on you, you know, bad old windows, old roofs, old kitchens. They don't, I mean, that's what. Oh, wait, I want to understand this. So these hedge funds that are buying these properties, one of which your son is, is renting out. Right. They are not uh, keeping up with the property preservation of those properties. Totally. Yeah. They don't maintain these properties. Yeah. Unbelievable. Because, because the market is in such high demand. That's why if, you, if we ever saw a major shift okay we're all of a sudden we had a bunch of stuff come to the market and i've heard a lot of these corporate owners are going to start selling this stuff because the rents are coming down slightly albeit slightly rents are they starting are coming down soft. yeah yeah they're getting soft they are they're, I mean, not maybe not necessarily around here but that you know and that's the way this all these real estate trends work is it starts in the hottest areas like in the south like in yeah. the south a lot of these areas are are struggling they're down 10 percent. you know right. like like yeah. you know austin you know, some uh, not not Phoenix, like Austin, Tampa. You know, there's just certain areas where it's starting. Prices to really... in Austin are insane. I have yeah, a couple. I mean, the whole thing. In Austin, they're crazy. You know, Idaho. I know some like Boise. A lot of that market's getting soft. But you know, the thing is, is that you know, if you ever saw a shift, we'd have so many houses put on the market that had so much deferred maintenance it wouldn't even be funny. Because and people that are not are in forbearance think about it like that too. They're in forbearance. They don't have any money. They're not taking care of their house either. So even over right, if you can't make the monthly payment, you certainly don't don't have yourself four hundred dollars to fix right. a, a window situation or a roofing yeah. situation 
or replace totally, right. your HVAC system, right? right? You're like, <laughs> right. just patch it up and we'll figure it out down the road. Right. And it, that's like these FHA loans where if you're behind, they'll take what you owe, put it on the back, and they'll give you a 40-year loan. I mean, that, that guy's not making payment. You know, he's, he's okay, he gets a new payment. That may last a while, but in the end, he probably can't afford this house anyways. You know, and, and, and all the deferred maintenance you're going to encounter with that, by the time that hits the market, it, it'll be, the house will be near a complete rehab. And that, about, that's what, what's that? No, no that's what most of these properties are. I mean, that's what, you know, I, I appreciate the forbearance. The, oh, and, and it saved a lot of people like, oh, okay, good. You know, that guy was able to get through the year, year and a half, whatever. Now he's back making payments. But a lot of these. They just can't afford them. And now the inflation is going to, you know, on the other end, inflation is going to eat them alive too. You know, so you've got a double-edged sword of, you well, can barely afford the mortgage. And now the inflation's killing me. You well, know? the good news is, is that about 90 plus percent of the people that actually went into, into forbearance have somehow one way or another gotten through that. They've, they've gotten through the forbearance, they have paid the forbearance back, and now you have the stragglers who are just still in tough situations in terms of right. forbearance. But the good news with that is, and I'm not, I'm not sitting here just blowing sunshine up everyone's butt, but the good news with that is, is that most of them have come out of that forbearance period whole. Yeah. So that that is something we could just, you know, hold on to a little bit. You know, Dylan, I want to ask you something because, yeah. you know, like John was saying how the distressed market is ticking up, not, not, you know, the hose full open and, you know, you're getting 20, 20 assignments a week, a uh, bit like back in the day, sure. but um, like with the REO foreclosure and distress market ticking up. We know that the mortgage app market has ticked up and was at its highest level in five weeks last week or this week, and is still going pretty strong because interest rates have held, especially through the short holiday. But what I'm curious is, are you seeing any trends with the types of mortgages or, you know, how buyers are looking at all this now? No, no trends. It's not, there's not enough time. Um, in essence, a one week spike in rates or, you know, a drop in rates, a move. Yes. In the global sense, it's moved people, but you know, like we've talked about Larry, the move to seven and a quarter has just made a few people like, Oh, yeah, let's go get this done. I, I think it's just pulled forward some demand because we were at eight. Um, and I don't think it's a changing market. Like, are you seeing more FHA or VA than you are just conventional or it's yeah, just it's pretty same basic It's mix. just a, a, yeah, it's, Dylan. It's, very yeah, Dylan, it's like mine too. It's, it's like, it's, you don't know if it's a blip or if it's a real change, you know, that's the, right. it's like I mean, mine. we'll, we'll, we'll more in a month. If we have a busy December, I, I, then I could, our, then we can start to uh, discuss the idea that it's a, a shift in sentiment and a shift in market, but you right. know, we're sitting here on November 25th and, you know, if you're going to ask me, hey, you know, is it gangbusters now since the rates started shifting on the 12th? I, I don't know, man. There's not enough time. Yeah. Right. You know, me right. and John talked about this, uh, you know, just in terms <clears throat> of, again, how this the foreclosure market is ticked up. And, you know, we've talked about how the uh mortgage app market has ticked up a little bit all this stuff good but you know john we've had this conversation where you used to be able to kind of predict the real estate market and the ebb and flow of the market right we used right. to be able to hey spring market kids go back to school market holiday not, market, not winter market, that's all out the window. Out now. the window. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. No predictability of this whatsoever. Yeah. Whatsoever. Yeah. You know, oh, it's going to be a great, this, this last spring was a bust, a complete bust. It wasn't Crazy. even spring. <laughs> you know, Dylan, yeah. you probably, you probably saw that too. I mean, it was yeah, just, for sure. you didn't know where this stuff was coming from, you know? No, we didn't know, we, you, exactly. you one we didn't know where the next move was coming from. So it's just a, yeah. you know, it, 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 it feels 
a little more kind of base stable now, but not great. Like I, I would, I, yeah. I, you know, I, I wouldn't call it a great market. I'd, I'd call it not, better than it was. Not. Yeah. Definitely All right. Not. So listen, we we brought John on uh, because so John and me have both been. You know, John is still actively in the REO business. I I did it for a long time. Blah blah blah. So John. We, we, this, this is a special segment, Dylan, like we did with you last week. Uh -huh. I think it was Wednesday. This is story time with John Hoffman, oh God. I love a REO broker. Now I know John, <laughs> you are, you are, you're going to hold back cause you can't tell it all. Oh, I could probably tell it all, but <laughs> you know, we'd get kicked off the podcast, <laughs> but yeah, um, give, give us, uh, give us a little insight, maybe through one story or something memorable to you that's happened over the years with one of your transactions that will give people some insight into what it's like to be an REO agent. Well, I'll tell you what, I was funny. I was thinking about that when you said, Hey, have a story. And I'm like, I probably got about three of them. I'll tell you probably one of the better ones that's that I can, uh, share with the Idaho house this was probably back in 2010 so right in the crater of when everything was a big mess you know and i had a house a, a, a probably about a six-year-old house out in newark and it was on like two acres and it was it was parcels of homes that were all like two acres a piece okay so we get there we get there there's no siding okay the house is already vacant no siding all the lights are gone all the exterior lights we get inside the water's up over the over the it had a full basement, unfinished. Water's over the first floor. Okay, so the basement's full of water. We get in there and uh everything was gone. The flooring, the cabinets, sinks, lights, everything. You you name it, he took everything. Took the electrical panel. So we couldn't even we couldn't even get in there. <clears throat> excuse me, we couldn't even get in there to do anything with this place. I we had to go to the neighbor. And we just we went to the neighbor to run a line so we could pump out the basement to get to the point where we could actually dry it out, install a panel so we could rebuild the house. I mean, it was, it, I you know, and I had another one like that in Lyle, a condo that that actually was, it was going to be a flip because I went, you know, when you get a, a new assignment, you go through the MLS, see if it right. had any history. Well, I went through the history and it said beautiful condo, totally remodeled. <laughs> so that was from eight months earlier. Well, I get it as a foreclosure. We, we get in there, reopen, you know, rekey the door, get in stripped clean. Everything's gone. Every last yeah. bit of anything in there was gone, but oh. that's probably the funniest thing. Or, or, or obviously the one, the stories of them stealing all the pipe, copper piping. I was going to say, you know, yeah. We yeah, remember those I days. had a ton of those back in. Yeah. Remember I, I had a ton when of those back in like 2010, 2011, John, we'd put brand new, washer and dryers and fanny would go in and do their little rehab put their little carpeting in do their right. job you know and all that put brand new appliances in and no kidding three days after those appliances were in dylan yeah they were gone yeah absolutely. That, that long yeah exactly and and in some instances not only were they gone but what like john said the all of the copper piping gone yeah, gone. But the one, in, the one in Newark was the funniest one because it was I'd never seen a house. I mean, he took the sub flooring, so we couldn't even walk in there because it was you'd fall into the, you know, and, and wreck your crotch falling into the basement. You know what I mean? That's how screwy That's this place was. I mean, why? It's like, what do you want the sub flooring for? You know? Yeah, really. That's just kind of I mean, like that's, wow. That's just, you know? that's just being mean. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's it was a lot of them were like that. I've had ones like that where they wrote on the walls of the bedrooms, you know, uh, uh, oh, screw yeah. you, screw you, bank. You know, it's like, wow, okay, a little oh, yeah. hostility we, in we this. See house. A lot of those notes on walls, right? Yeah, right, right. But yeah, that's Protective that dark one's probably the funniest one, just because I've uh, never seen a house stripped so clean. I <laughs> sold uh, one of my earliest REOs that I sold for Fanny was a property in Joliet and in a, in not a great part of Joliet. Okay. But this property, when I visited the property, here's how I got in. 
I took my finger and I went like this and the front door literally just fell open. Yeah. I walked in. I've had a couple of those too. There are holes in, in like the floor. <laughs> you can see down into the basement. So I had to be really careful about that. And you, if you look up, there were holes in the roof and there were no windows on the place. I put that property on the market. So this was early in my REO days. I put that property on the market in Joliet for $11,000. That property was sold. Huh? I remember those days. Oh, yeah. Hmm, yeah. I did a few of those too, man. Won't I see put that, that for a while. I put that property on the market for 11 days. I, excuse me, for $11,000. And that thing sold in probably three days. And that's when I, that's when I realized everything sells. There's only one thing that matters when you're selling a property and it's not condition. It's not location. It's price. Your price has to match the location and condition. And if you do that, you will sell that house in a relatively short period of time. If you price it right, it doesn't even matter what condition it's in or where it's located. Someone's going to buy it. Right. The, the math always maths, right? Exactly. Like at the end of the day, yeah, the, totally. there, there's no denying the math. And so, you know, we, we talk a little bit about the last few years about how properties ran up in value. But you know what? Maybe maybe the smart money was realizing, hey, if I could tie up mortgage money, even if I got to overpay a little bit at <clears> two and a three or four percent, that's OK if rates go up, which they have. You're saying, hey, you know what? At the end of the day, the price grinds down to whatever I whatever I have to put in this house plus the purchase price as long as that works it works doesn't matter 100% I tell everybody that price is king period yes you want to put your best foot forward when you put your property on the market you want it in staged right. You want great media deliverables. You want to work with agents that know how to negotiate, know how to get you over the finish line. Same thing with mortgage brokers, attorneys, home inspectors, whatever. But at the end of the day, if you price it right, you are going to sell that house in a relatively short period of time. And the opposite of that is you could have the most beautiful house in the world in the best location on earth. And if you overprice it, you have a large paperweight on your hand because it's going to sit there and not sell. Absolutely. As I like to say, Larry, if that house from pricing standpoint gets the stink on it, you're doomed. You're done. It doesn't matter. You're done. I I try and explain that to everybody. Don't you, John? It's old. It's old in three weeks, man. Been on the market for three weeks. Your listing is now unseeable. Really? Because people don't, people don't, they're like, what's wrong with that? Power lines? People are starting to, you know, wonder. I had this other REO property, just to uh, circle back for a second here. (laughs) I had this other REO property all the way out in the boonies, man. And uh, it was on a huge plot of land, like 13, 14 acres. The guy was still living there, but it was pretty much vacant. But he was still living there. It was kind of one of those situations, right? Full of his stuff, you mean? What's that? Full, full of his stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, kind of full of his stuff, full of his yeah. dog cages, which I'm going to get to in a minute. So I drive up. It's one of these places. Like I said, it's on about 13, 14 acres. I drive up to <clears throat> uh, I, I kind of pull into this driveway, which you could barely see off the road. And um, I, I drive up the driveway, I'm riding through, I come to the house and I'm sitting there like in the middle of the field of this huge 13 acre field with a house, the house over here. So I get out of my, you know, before I get out of my car, I'm checking around, just looking around just to make sure, can you get out of your car? You're going to get attacked by a kangaroo or something. Uh, I, so I get out of my car and I, like we do, you know, I walk around the house, take some pictures. I, uh, I looked in the windows just to see what I was looking at and you know what the deal was. So when I looked in the window, I see Dylan, I see all these dog cages, right? Oh, and yeah, like, like, <laughs> like, like big dog cages. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I didn't see any dogs. <laughs> 
so now I'm thinking, well, maybe he already left, but I see the dog cages there. So I'm driving. Out. I did all my stuff. I did all my thing, drove out, saw the neighbor on the side. I said, you know, and like we do, I, I, I asked him, I said, <clears throat> Hey, you know, can you give me any background on this house? You know, what's up and what's going on with it? He goes, oh yeah, he's still living there with his six German shepherds. He goes, did you get <laughs> nice. out of your car? I said, yeah, we get out of our car just to, you know, check the condition of the property and stuff. He goes, holy, I'm not going to say it, but holy, you know what? Um, he has the six largest German shepherd dogs I've ever seen in my life. And they're not nice dogs. You, you are really, really lucky that those dogs were not around. They're probably roaming the fields right now. Uh, so that was like a light bulb went off in my head. That's like, a wake up call. You gotta, you gotta kind of really be careful about, you know, these things. Am I right? You, you really oh, do. Absolutely. Well, I'm sure you've had the ones too where you get there, there's no power, and you walk in and it's vacant. You go to go to the basement, and all of a sudden you're standing in a foot of water because you didn't see it. Yeah, and you got like, you got to be careful. Always you a good time. Flashlights and yeah. yeah, always a good time. Yeah, I mean we can go on and on with these. <laughs> oh yeah, it's just the it's flooding, crazy, you know? the the angry tenants, the angry homeowners, and yeah. I felt bad for all of them. It always Sometimes. amazes me how everybody's angry when it's like, especially yeah, everybody knows what's going on. Yeah. Let's not kid yeah. ourselves. I mean, even right. the tenants, like the notices are coming to the property. They send yeah. them to wherever the landlord is right. and where the tenant is. And then mm. the, the owners, they know, they know they haven't made the payments. Like what are we, why yeah. are we mad? This is, right. just the, this is just what happens next. Well, you feel like the, re, hey, you feel like the repo man. You really do. I mean, you know, are they going to shoot at me? Yeah. Are they, you know, am I, is this going to be a hitch and tow oh, and go? Man. You know, it's like, you know what? Crazy, man. Crazy. The one thing, the one thing I always did when I visited these REOs, and I, I know you probably do this too, is you have to come to them as your friend, as their friend. You're totally, not, yeah. you know, I would, I tell all of them, I'm not here to take your house. No one's coming to right. knock on your door and kick you out. That's not how this works here. As right. a matter of fact, don't do a thing until you see me post this thing on your door that says, and, and what does it say, John? Yeah. Well, cash for keys. Let's it's do the that. Cash for keys notice. You know, so yeah. until, we, until I put this on your door, <laughs> this is not getting serious. Once I put this on your door, you need to call me until right. then, you know, right. really, um, unless you plan on moving out sooner, you know, just do your thing, whatever. If you do move out, let me know. But once I put that cash for keys notice on your door, you need to call me because then you have a specific mm -hmm. amount of time before, uh, the sheriff comes and asks you politely to put your stuff on the curb. Hey, Dylan, Keep, yep. in, keep, in, keep in mind, that's that's after four or five years of no payments. Now we're going to give you money to leave. Right. <laughs> and there's yeah. and, and, still, and, and, still and you're mad at me. What's that? And you're mad at me. Right. Like, and there's still, man, there's still mad at you. You're angry. Right. Yeah. If you yeah, go at them as their little... friend, Dylan, honestly, if you, if you approach people like, you know, you're trying to help them, like with right. what we all do, right? I, if you just look at everybody as a commission right. instead of how can I help you, uh, regardless of you know how much I'm going to make or not make, um, then mm -hmm. you're going down a bad rabbit hole. But right. with right. this as well, if if you come to them as your friend and you're trying to help them get through this difficult situation, it really does in the end work mm -hmm. out. It, it does one way or the other. It works out. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, no, real, the people that are quick. the people that are struggling. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was gonna say the people that are struggling, you know, once they realize you're not there to you know, you're not the you know what it is? It's them figuring out you're not the owner. You know, I'm I'm not the new owner. They always think you're the new owner, you know. Yeah. And it's like, no, I'm right. not. I'm I just represent sense. the new owner and I'm here to help. You know, once they figure yeah. that out, most most of them will you can get it, you can get through to them, you know. Yeah, it's uh, it's just a process, and it's a scary process for people that are going through it. It really is, uh, and you got to kind of take that into account 
when you're doing that business because it's completely different than retail real estate it right i mean oh absolutely yeah it's a completely different animal you know and, and larry you've heard you've heard agents say it they're like oh i want to get into that like you do it it's like yeah you couldn't handle it pal trust me oh <laughs> listen you don't want to do what we're doing have 500 know? properties in your inventory it's like herding cats it really is <laughs> it's yeah, insane it is, man. hey before we it wrap is. it up i want to do two things first of all dylan if people want to get in touch with you if they need a pre-approval if they need a second opinion uh if they just want to talk because they're lonely how do they get in touch with you you can call or text me anytime at 630-708-7088 okay and john uh you know john doesn't just do reos john does typical retail real estate as well. He's the broker owner at Y Rent Real Estate. So he has other agents there as well. John, if people want to get in touch with you at Y Rent, how are they doing that? Uh, excuse me, 630-601-1300. That's Y Rent Real Estate. We're in Batavia, downtown Batavia, pretty much King County, handle all that. You got questions about foreclosures, whatever. Yeah. Want to chat? Give us a call. Give John a call. Hey, listen, uh, we're not done with these REO stories. We got a no, lot more there's... of these things to go. Believe me. <clears throat> Plenty out there. Crazy. All right, you guys. Thanks for joining us today. Have an awesome weekend. Uh, Dylan, I will see you on Wednesday. Back at it Wednesday, man. And John, I'll talk to you, of course, during the week. And we'll see you here again here soon. See you, Dylan. Awesome. See you, Larry. Right, Take John, care, boys. You. Thanks, Larry. All right. I'll see you guys. You got it. All right, you guys, we are going to wrap this up now. And uh, before we do, I just want to get into a couple of things real quick. So first of all, if you would like a copy of my new free ebook, which is called The Top Tens of Real Estate, and what it is really is it's 32 top 10 lists, real estate lists that are proven to help you maximize your profit, whether you're buying, selling, or investing. For instance, chapter 32 is going to give you some insight into exactly how investors look at properties. What is that 70% rule? Some go 75%, but what is that 70% rule and how does that all work? And how does a how does an investor look at a property, evaluate it, and decide whether this is a good, uh, whether this is a good uh, investment or not? Also, the other thing I want to do is I wanted to tell you that this coming Wednesday we have a really special guest on, Margaret Gear, and Margaret is the founder and owner of Chicagoland Home Staging. Now, what we're going to do is a case study, and the case study is titled Staging 831 Diane. Now, you'll see in the little ticker at the bottom, 831 Diane is an 11,000 square foot home in Naperville that was listed by my associate, my team member over at uh, EXP, Michael Lafito, of the 11,000 square foot home which uh margaret staged the house was or is on the market and under contract it's on the market for 2.895 million 11,000 square feet we're going to show you through some 360 videos that i took what it looked like before it was staged what it looked like after it was staged and what the outcome was once it was staged. So this is going to be really cool because we're going to take you, we're going to kind of peel back the onion and show you exactly why staging is so important, why it's worth it. You have one shot to put your best foot forward when you first come on the market. You have one shot to price your home correctly when it first comes on the market. Do not miss that That red carpet moment of yours so uh with that you guys i just want to say thank you for joining us today november 25th for the real estate radio show podcast remember to pick it up again on wednesday with us at 11 o'clock we'll be live with margaret gear 
of Chicagoland Home Staging, and we're going to take a look at an amazing 11,000 square foot property and why staging it was the right thing to do and how we got it sold. Okay, you guys have an awesome weekend and we will talk to you soon.